You're listening to the Pop Zara Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Pop Zara Podcast. That's right. It's Pop Zara. It's a podcast. It's the Pop Zara Podcast. It's like peanut butter and jelly, but better for you. This time we are talking about tech, tech wrap-ups, tech this, gizmos, gadgets, woohoos, and what's-its. We are talking about CES, the Consumer Electronic Show, for 2022. Uh... As you may have heard, the rumors of its death were greatly exaggerated. It happened. We were there. We were actually there, unlike some other people. And to get all the good stuff synopsized, we have once again gathered both the best of Pop Zara and the best of Computer America. That's right, another sandwich, a groupie fun. And for that, we have none other than Pop Zara's own Herman Exum, senior game editor. Wait, are you game editor? No, you're just tech editor now, right? No, I'm tech. I I leave (sighs) the games to other people. Sometimes. You you, cro- you cross over something. You can see the confusion. And that other giggle you may have giggled in the background is our best buddy in the whole tech world, Mr. Ben Grossman. Ben, welcome back. Happy to be here. I should have said Computer America again. Computer America. Happy to be here. Reporting I, for duty. I need to push that brand. <laughs> I need to push the brand. Are you a cryptocurrency yet? Can I buy Computer America crypto? I am I'm selling the entire uh, Computer America brand as an NFT. Yes. <laughs> that is embedded within a crypto, embedded in the blockchain that is then available uh, as an app. Yes. What's that old joke? It's like, <laughs> like, I don't need to sell a lot. I just need to sell one. <laughs> That's all I need. No, we'll get into crypto later. But no, uh, thank you, gentlemen, for coming back once again. This is Nathan Evans, uh, managing editor of PopSara. I didn't get that out of the way. Got to brand myself. Herman, Ben, we are talking about CES 2022, and for those who don't know, these two actually had a nice roundtable discussion on Ben Show Computer America, which we will link to in the notes if you want to triple, is it double dip? Yeah, double dip. If you want to double dip, double dip, I'm sure they talked about different things. I'm sure they had different discussions. Very, very different audience, bigger audience probably, but for this (laughs) smaller, more finessed audience uh, who catered to the more cartoon dinosaur set... We're going to be talking about other stuff at CES 22. And before we get off the bat, I just want to say, Herman, uh, let's just give some shout outs to Herman. You were there. You actually went. Yeah. After a uh, two year hiatus, <laughs> I finally got I finally got my my feet wet again. And I got to say, and Ben, you can confirm this with me. Not a lot of people went like the usual players. A lot of them sat this one out for for reasons we can get into later. But I I think the final number was 2,200 exhibitors and just over 40,000 people. That's not a bad thing. That's better than I think some people expected. I will say this, though. Uh, Herman didn't, it wasn't without its bumps. Uh, there was some will there, will there not be. It was like a Korean soap opera. We didn't know if it was going to happen. We didn't know how it was going to happen. At the end, it mostly happened. Uh, there was a cancellation on the last day where the, the last day of the show, traditionally the worst, was cleaved off. But, you know, like a pinky, if you're going to have to lose a finger, lose that one. You don't need it, as long as you have the middle. So let's start <laughs> off real quick. Uh, I just want to start off with some buzzwords real quick. Ben, you weren't there either. You were, you watched from the sidelines while other people did the hard work, like me. So, Absolutely. <laughs> like me. Herman, I just want to get something out of the way. We can start with you. Uh, a lot of buzzwords. Uh, I think the big buzzwords this year, I, I wrote a list down here. Uh, buzzwords were OLED, QLED, Mini LED. I wanted to say mini LED, but it's not the right word. Mini uh, LED. Yeah, mini LED, which I'm sure people will call it. Uh, quantum dot, multiverse, wearables, all that stuff. Not, not a big <laughs> word, though. But what's funny, though, not a big word. Let's get this out of the way because I don't want to talk about this later. Not a big word was COVID. Despite the fact that uh, COVID and the coronavirus pretty much decimated the show, 
Um, not a lot this year as far as COVID prevention stuff. Not a lot of sanitizing stuff like that. I- Got to correct you there a little bit. Health and lifestyle products relating to COVID did have a presence there. But I, I think the world has settled down enough to where it has become sort of the new normal. And I hate that. And I hate using that term. But what else can I really call it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you have an industry that was basically selling you smart homes, which basically meant touch everything in your house or talk to it. And next thing you know, like, well, you know what? You don't have to touch it. Just talk to yeah. it. Yeah. But so I, I mean, there was an example of like one company that tried to, you know, still remind people that COVID exists, but didn't want to get too far into COVID was like uh, Moen, who makes, uh, you know, sink fixtures. Mm-hmm. And they had like a completely gesture controlled uh, sink without having to touch it. So things like that did exist. Yeah. Like, does it work better than it does in like gas stations or hotel? You mean where it doesn't uh, work? Yeah. Where you don't, where it's contactless and it never really works. Yeah. Like it's actually pretty cool because you could actually like turn your hand and it'll get hotter or colder depending on how you turn your hand. I mean, like it as far as they say it works. So you know what? I, yeah. I just have one comment on that. Imagine all the fun and accuracy of a motion controlled Wii game, but going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a joy. I uh I will say this though. Um there was nothing what Ben, uh, you described, there's nothing as cool, like, as related to, like, that sort of activity that we saw, like, last year with the the touchless, you know, toilets and all that stuff. It, mm-hmm. it just seemed, forgive the term, demuted, like, muted a little bit. Just wasn't there, like I thought it was going to be. I thought it w- I thought there would be more, but there wasn't. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, yeah, as you said, they, they there were a couple of products like that, but, you know, I, I think we've gotten to the point where a lot of that's normalized now and it's not really that oh not really that hot fire uh there was one announcement it wasn't specifically at ces but it was you, you ben you, you do this a lot you know how some people will say we're not at ces but here's an announcement during ces so we can sort oh, of yeah. pig, piggyback off the fire mm-hmm. um razor uh who i have a love hate relationship i love their products sometimes but half their products never come out so they had they were having that uh you, you, you heard the announcement that they were showing off that mask they showed off last year, uh, and now they kind of admitted it's not going to be COVID compliant. It's, it's, it's not going to have N95 filters like they promised. So essentially it's worthless as a protection hmm. device. <laughs> well, you heard what happened. I mean, I don't want to get into COVID, but the, the government, government essentially said that unless your mask is N95 compliant, it has no protection against COVID. So... Razor's big touting RGB mask that was supposed to be for some protective layer is now literally about as useful as a sock. So, yeah, I'm. It's still RGB, so it's uh, protective against being not cool. That's all that matters. Does it blink? Does it? Does it blink? It's like. And I think it also gives you that Bane voice. It has like uh, it amplifies your voice, so you know, it's like I'm Batman. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so it still does that. Yeah, <laughs> they had it. They had it under glass, but I did. I did get as close as I could to it. And but, yeah, I mean it, it looked it looked the same as last time, but in terms of its usefulness, I'm not really sure. I mean, I, I wasn't sure the last time they showed it either. So yeah. there's that. Well, I mean, I think we can be charitable here without insulting, but with Razor products, it's kind of everything's kind of hypothetical until it becomes real. So I yeah. think we I think the you know, the, the best idea is that like by saying they were N95 
what they're saying was we're medical grade. And could you imagine your surgeon, you know, putting you under anesthesia and leaning over you with the razor Zephyr mask <laughs> and being like, wow, I'm in danger. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. like, you know what? I don't belong here. I'm going to die. As, as far as I'm concerned, like with the razor prototypes in particular, it's usually just a way to get uh, more consumers in the door to their regular product line. So right. in that respect, it may have been effective. I mean, like we're talking about razors, so. Yeah, but not. we're not talking. There we are. We're not talking uh, admirably about Razor, Herman. We're talking badly about Razor, and that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess. No, I don't know. No, I like, no. I just, it, it's not just the mask, though, for me. It, it's nearly all the prototypes. They never really. Well, yeah, exactly. Like gets market anyway well it's it's sort of like when apple was advertising their credit card and they said all the looks you you know all the looks you expect like what yeah but what about the interest rate like oh don't talk about the interest rate but um right <laughs> i mean we can get it we can get into razor later i know they had a vibrating chair which i don't know it just seems interesting to me but uh let's yeah. herman let's start off though let's let's get back on track so herman you were there so let's start off Mm-hmm. What did you see? What trends did you see that really impressed you the most that you think people should be on the lookout for? Well, uh, let, let's pretend that I didn't talk to Ben yesterday, and I will just say talk that uh, talked about what? Who? Yeah. Oh, hey Ben. <laughs> what? Huh? Hey, uh, how you, you doing? Welcome back. But, First time. But getting into it though, um, the most consistent and largest, uh, you know, sort of sort of trends usually revolve around displays specifically this year oled displays are OLED, however you want to pronounce it so yeah uh this i believe that 2022 will be the year that um oled displays uh finally finally approach the mainstream in terms of affordability and accessibility because yeah uh, as it stands now if you want a decent OLED TV, you're gonna have to pay somewhere between twelve hundred to eighteen hundred, and it's just nice to see that that technology is finally making its way to regular people, can regular we, um, households. Can we just add this here real quick? We can plug it on the Popzara. Is that I think this trend was precipitated by the release of what I what I believe is the most commercially successful OLED product, which is the OLED Switch, which sold like gangbusters. And I believe it was the first uh, the first OLED screen you didn't have to worry about sacrificing your kid's college fund for. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. You know what I mean? I mean, but, because cause it, you don't really associate OLED with gaming that much. No, but they've been trying, especially if we're talking about LG, all the big players, especially LG. Because they've just thrown everything, including the kitchen sink, at uh, at their OLED offerings, you, and you know, and we all know this. Well, I mean, we so, were we were talking about mini LEDs, I think, last year. Like, oh, this is the second best we can get. Oh yeah, and speaking on uh, mini LEDs, real quick, it does seem like now that OLEDs are becoming mainstream for mid-tier and obviously high-tier uh, displays. Mini LED can now uh, pick up in the entry level segment for consumers. Because okay. I noticed that, like Sony in particular, I didn't talk about their mini LED TVs, but they are coming. I think they're going to replace their regular LED uh, technology, like panel displays. Like Seidel in there? As the... Yeah. Now, 
Ben, uh, for those who don't know, I, Ben, you have like 50 monitors, right? 50, 60? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm currently rocking just the four, but I mean, one is an ultra wide. Uh, honestly, like, like all ACVs, and I, you know, Herman, based on your recommendation, like I actually, you know, kind of highlighted the the 42 inch OLED as well. Uh, but man, I, as someone who follows this fairly often, mini LED, QLED, OLED. Uh, ultra, uh, ultra HD or UHD. I mean, like, there's so many acronyms that even I'm starting to get a little lost in all of the just terms. That I hope that the TV industry next year really dumbs it down for me because it's hard to you know meet them halfway. Well, don't forget yeah. though, it's OLED plus you now you have OLED. Uh, excuse me, OLED QD, right? As opposed no, it's to just regular. QD, it's QD OLED. <laughs> oh, yes. Gee. There you go. Christmas. You gotta you gotta pronounce it correctly because they don't make it easy anyway. Not to be look, not to confuse Q D O L E D with Q L E D, which is different, which is a very different technology. Hundred uh, percent. Goodness, this is someone's gonna get the wrong thing, and they're not even gonna know. Yeah, That's... we're we're sort of we are drowning in this alphabet soup, so. Imagine regular consumer. I'm looking at my list of all the stuff they announced, and I'm not going to get into it real quick. It almost looks like medical transcription because it looks like QD, OLED, 4K TV, C2 LED, 4K HDR, QD XL. Like, none of that's pronounceable by the mainstream. It's too It's too much. It's mm-hmm. way too well, much. I'll, do, I'll just say this. If you're in the market for... The best bank for your buck TV. It's got to be OLED, and it's specifically got to be LG in their in their C2 lineup. Specifically, the 42 or 48 inch. Uh, by the way, like the 42 inch is pretty unprecedented. Usually, they've limited those sizes like 50 and up, 50 mm-hmm. inches and up. So it's nice. It's nice to see a TV that gets a lot of the same features for gamers and. And cinephiles, in a in a smaller, more affordable package, I think the price is going to be slightly below a thousand. Well, I mean that. I mean that's probably a lot for for all for th- us three since we're I think games, that, uh, but yeah, I think that for like a non OLED TV, like a you know six hundred or around there gets you like a sixty five inch. So people are really going to have to be aware of why OLED is such a big thing. Yes, and it's yeah. It, it they has really been, are. It has been priced away from these people for a long time, and when they have seen it, um, there's been a lot of negative connotations. Herman, you and I talked about this when you know after the show, um, and I don't know how accurate this is. Ben, you and I have talked about this too. There's been the presumption that OLED is not good for gaming because uh, that people were afraid of burn-in. and I don't think that's ever been really founded. Is that right? It it was a Concern and early ones, way way early. We're talking about talking about before 2010 when those models came out, which most of the public doesn't even know about. Those exhibited burn-in, but it was minor well, to mild, and and how and that stigma has stuck with that uh, display, with that panel technology up until now. I um I don't know if it contributed to that the the fever of it. Let, let's just say in, in the tech world. Viruses, uh, viruses happen quite a bit as far as like miscommunication, 
But uh, I think the first exposure a lot of people had to OLED, whether they knew it or not, was Sony's PlayStation Go. Was it Go? What was it? Uh, Vita. 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 And you, you remember when it came out, remember it was 10 years ago, and people were like, oh, it's so beautiful, it's so wonderful. Exactly 10 years ago, I think, 2012, right? Um, but then Something that, like that. But that. But that panel was very, very quickly replaced with a cheaper LED panel. And I yeah. think I don't think that helped uh, the stigma that OLED wasn't appropriate for gaming. So but we gotta we gotta keep in mind that the primary reason uh, Sony ditched the OLED display in the PS Vita is because it cost too damn much. Well, that's what I think. Much. That's what I think the real thing was. I think the real. Yeah. And, um, when, like I said, when the Switch OLED came out last year, uh, we were very careful, even at Popstar, to mention what type of panel technology it had because some people were wondering. Did it feature X panel that caused X damage? And again, I think it's all theoretical. I don't want to, you know, burn the timbers. But um, I will say this, Herman, uh, you're exactly right when you said big bang for the buck. Uh, I did notice also that one of the trends was displays were getting much bigger, but they were also trending smaller, which I like. I yeah. like smaller displays. I told you, you, you know, you know how I feel about it. Um, yeah, because you also, what do they, how many... Up until this point, the smallest OLED you could get was 50. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So now it's le- yeah. it's, it's getting smaller. Yay! And that, and that's by the way, that's for a decent one, one that's you know half decent or something. And even then, those were pretty pricey. Uh, ben, got a question for you. So Ben, I know you're a gamer, but you also create content, and you actually make money from mm-hmm. creating content. You're not like an influencer yet, but then again, I don't think you got the butt for it. But I yeah. will say, I, I don't know. I mean. Like, I apologize. It's the uh, internet. That's rude. You, you met me. That's rude. Well, it's the you, know, you know what? It's the internet. Everybody's got the butt for it. Um, there's <laughs> well, someone. There's ben, someone for everybody. Do you everybody. have that Brazilian tan? Do you have that Brazilian tan? Uh, I got that Irish tan. Yeah. <laughs> it's as dark as oatmeal. Um, as close as get. I'll say this though, but you create content. You got a lot of monitors, so you are a little picky about stuff. Um, if you're look, if you had to decide, you. We always talk about higher, which Herman, we saw this too. We saw higher refresh rates. We saw 300 plus refresh rates. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, but you also saw less refresh rates with content creation displays. So, Ben, what are you looking forward to most of all? You're looking forward to OLED and mini LED stuff more for gaming, or are you looking more for it for producing better content? For for content creation, and I'm actually having run into this with this whole CS thing and creating, uh, you know, pictures and creating, uh, you know, matching up logos and getting colors, color accuracy uh, and vibrancy is big. Like, I don't want images. Uh, I had an image just now that was super, super dark, and I couldn't even work on it. I had to go find a completely different image. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, you know, you have to consider that because not everyone's going to have, you know, an OLED themselves. I think color accuracy, brightness... Uh, refresh rate, not so much, but of course, since I do both, I'm looking for both. But you know, that's something that I'm looking forward to with OLED. Is just, you know, things that look good on my screen will look good on everyone's screen, and I got to make sure mine is accurate. Exactly. So, well, yeah, because Herman, you and I were discussing this before the show. Is like, typically speaking, when it comes to these high-end monitors, you kind of have to pick one or the other. Do you want right. high-performance gaming, or do you want color accuracy and stability? you know, for content. And I think we're kind of merging the two finally, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, as it stands now, it, it seems like existing technologies like IPS and things like that, they are really pushing the high refresh rate, uh, for, for those types of panels. 
But I did see a couple of OLED monitors as well. Uh, it's sort of a mixed bag because the the OLED monitors that are out now, which are pretty rare, uh, they're still sitting in the four figure in the four figure price range. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not we're probably not gonna see we're probably not gonna see like a multimedia entertainment general use OLED monitor for quite a while. But I will say I did see one and it was from ViewSonic and it it was uh the VP32 OLED and that is specifically geared towards uh workspace and content creators like just you know right. using Maya and Photoshop and all that good stuff. So in terms of that I think that's the right way to go if you're trying to introduce uh, OLED monitors into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Because they cost too much, and the only people who can afford that are people who actually work for a living. Well, can we also say the big uh, the big stink in the room that cannot be avoided is the fact that it's nice having a nice 4K display that can do whatever, 3,000 refresh or whatever, but chances are you probably don't have a computer that can run that. And you and I, uh, I know Ben, you and I even chatted about this before, the introduction of like the new consoles, like the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox, have kind of bridged the gap because we're in the middle of, I don't know if you know this or not, we're in the middle of a chip shortage. So even if you can't afford it, unless you're willing to like sell off a kidney, you're probably not going to get the latest video card. So mm-hmm. uh, Herman, you mentioned ViewSonic oh. and in full disclosure, we, you know, we do get promotions. We do get product from ViewSonic to review, but that doesn't change the fact that they are one of the companies that's trying to merge those two sensibilities. Like some of the new monitors we've reviewed on Popsara have talked about the, um, the compatibility uh, you know, they have the, what is it, 2.1 connectivity with... Um, uh, HDMI you're talking about? Yeah, HDMI. But yeah. but but that's important because if you want to get the most out of your PlayStation or Xbox at 120, you have to have a display that will do it. And there's so many yeah. little, little, you know, there's so many little odds and ends you have to get right. And because most gaming monitors, they can do 320 hertz or whatever, but not 320 hertz on your console. It doesn't have the right technology. But... I think that's that's happening more and more, and I think this is a good uh, time to segue a little bit away from displays. Fantastic. Uh, video cards. Uh, NVIDIA and AMD showed off a lot of stuff. And let's go, let's start with NVIDIA. Herman, what did you see with NVIDIA? Well, you know, NVIDIA had a virtual presence, so whatever whatever I saw, most people already most likely saw as well at the same time. But we're talking about two specific uh, video cards, specifically the RTX 3050 and the RTX 3090 Ti. Are Ben? What what did uh, what did you he tell me? All the tie. He stood in front of God in that audience and <laughs> said the 3090 Ti. It could go either way with me, but I don't know. Who I, called I, it? I wait, who called it? it? Who called it tie? Let's see. Uh, that was the uh, the, gen- uh, the gentleman. Uh, I had to refer to him like this. He was bald. Uh, he gave the keynote for Nvidia. He mispronounced his own product name. Well, he, he I, don't, I don't know if it's uh, I don't know if it's mispronunciation or anything. I just think it's I mean, apples to oranges at this point. I've never yeah, he, I've, I've never heard it than I am. I've never heard it Look, called Thai before. N- neither have I. But it is what it is. <laughs> you can call it Thai. You can call it Ti. Um, I'm going to understand what people are talking about if they refer to these video cards. But going back to them, uh, sort of like it's kind of a paradigm with NVIDIA right now, especially with video cards, because as you as you mentioned earlier, there's a chip shortage Mm -hmm. and 
what happens when there's a shortage of uh, product? The price goes way, way up. Oh, you think? Especially <laughs> if, we're talking, if we're talking about street prices, especially. So I expected the uh, RTX 3050. That's, that's an obvious one. They have to capture the entry-level gamers. But the 3090 Ti, I really – I'm not sure about that because, one, you may not know this, but from the – 3080 all the way up to uh, 3090 Ti, they're all using the same chipsets, right? Mm-hmm. And what does that do when you have all these products using the same chipsets? That's not going to help with supply, that's for sure. If anything, it's going to help with NVIDIA's bottom line and the stock market and investors and, you know, shareholders. The shareholders are winning, not the consumers in this case, if you want to go really high end with your video card and want to stick to NVIDIA products. I think that NVIDIA has long ago abandoned hope of, you know, pleasing uh, the masses because they they just can't make the chip. I'm sorry, the graphics cards, they just can't make them. In another way, they don't necessarily have to, which kind of sucks because the only winners here is NVIDIA, not the consumer. Well, let's let's talk about let's talk about the other company, AMD, because they also had a presence. Whoa! whoa uh, uh, actually, if you don't mind, I do want to say that uh, we couldn't say this yesterday, but we can say Uh-oh. it today. Uh oh! Breaking, breaking news. news! Breaking news! Newsflash! Uh, of course, NVIDIA launched the 3090 Ti, Ti, whatever, and the 3050, which is the more budget card. But today, January, uh, you know, whenever we're recording this, January 11th. Yeah, January 11th. Okay, just want to make sure. Don't want to time shift it. Uh, yeah, they they announced that they are refurbishing the RTX 3080 with 12 gigs of onboard memory. So interesting. That's that's the third one that they just launched. They didn't launch it at CES, but they launched it today. So basically, it's just it's it's a it's a replacement skew for the initial release of the 3080. It's like three percent more memory, nine percent more power draw, and fifty percent more price. So yeah. Oh. Best, I remember everybody NVIDIA wins. doing that. I remember Nvidia doing that with their um, Titan X Pascal uh, video cards, mm-hmm. where they updated, mm-hmm. where they updated it, and just that X. It's called the Titan XP, and it superseded the regular X. So, yeah, I, I see what they're doing, but the issue still remains that there won't be enough supply. Well, I want to. I want to. I, I do want to pivot away from Nvidia real quick because yeah. everybody was talking about the cards you're talking about, but nobody's really talking about what AMD showed off because, and this was a trend I saw at CES, and I wanted to get your guys' opinion because this this happens with everything. Everything we're talking about, OLED displays, big TVs, but for every expensive, fancy pixel bursting uh, precedent that was busted, there was like a, a low budget analog. I don't know if you guys noticed this. Um, we have like we talked about OLED TVs. We didn't talk about the TCL TV. You know what I mean? We're t- we're probably going to talk right. about the Sony stuff, but we're not going to talk about the the low tier. But we're talking about NVIDIA graphics cards, like you said, the 3090 Ti or Ti or whatever the hell they call it. Mm-hmm. But AMD showed off some budget cards that were supposed to be under two hundred dollars. And the reason I bring this up it's because they specifically reached that price point by cutting off the ability to crypto mine. And that's I don't have the name on me. Herman, do you have that name? Do you know what I'm talking about? What mining? No, no, no. The uh, AMD uh, cheap ad- uh, budget cards. They're supposed to be sub 200, and they're supposed to offer some version of RTX. But there's oh yeah, ray tracing or but eh. they're but they're specifically gimped so they can't be used as cryptocurrency, and that was my big question. Um, we keep talking about crypto, crypto. So. 
the market for graphics cards when you we, we used to talk we used to call them gaming cards but we don't call them that anymore because who who's the market for is it for crypto miners or is it for gamers and so what happens if you just want to play halo infinite at three billion frames per second but some <laughs> doofus next door is setting up his, you know he's setting up his version of a mining lab so he's you know he's probably going to blow his apartment up like a meth lab but what's going to happen you can't get your card because he wants to get his card so my question is, are we going to see more and more alternatives like the AMD card that sacrifice pure performance just to get on the market? They can't like where they can't be co-opted into cryptocurrency. Ah, uh, right, right. You see what I'm saying? Like it's at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I... Okay. Can I say this? I said meth before. I wasn't joking. <laughs> if you got a cold, no, if you have a cold, if you legitimately have a cold, you go to the store and try to buy cough medicine. You got to show your ID uh -huh. because some yeah. meth head. Mm -hmm has screwed up, screwed it up. And that's exactly what's happening with video cards. You just want to get your game on, but some jackass wants to go in crypto mine. So you have to go through all these hoops. So you have to get lesser cough medicine. Screw that guy. So, I, yeah. I think there's a secondary reason for, for them uh, locking out the, the mining features. Uh, it might be cheaper for them to produce. And, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my conclusion to it. Well, you know, you don't you don't need to to have the highest uh, highest uh, spec uh, equipment or specs in there. Well, taking that to its logical conclusion, um, AMD produces the video card, the the GPUs inside the PlayStation Five and the Xbox hardware, and yeah. so likewise, you can't buy those consoles unless you're willing to risk your life uh, going to a gas station at three a.m. By the way, people, if you're going to buy one, if you're going to buy a use, uh, if you're going to buy a game console, go to a police station. Don't go to gas stations. Don't go to McDonald's. Make the trip to the Popo. Do it. Yeah. Do it where there's lights and cameras. Enough PSAs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree that um, AMD, I mean, I think they're taking the relatively higher road compared to NVIDIA. Because, yeah, some pe a lot of people out there just want a game. And due to the nature of the economy and supply and demand... These same people are most likely willing to sacrifice uh, some high-spec bragging rights in order to just game on their PC adequately, or above adequately, I should say. So, you know what? Good, good for AMD for recognizing the market. Uh, it's it, it's it's uncommon in the in the computing market right now. You know, and so. I was really looking at uh, you know. I wouldn't see if they like software or hardware manipulated their thing to make sure crypto uh, crypto miners don't you know use their hardware and like honestly, twenty pages just showed up saying AMD refuses to limit cryptocurrency mining. We will not be doing that to our chips, and that was in March uh, of twenty twenty one. So they actually had a pretty big about face in about nine months, where I think it was Nvidia said that they would limit theirs for crypto miners, but. Uh, and, but and, and that wasn't really that big a deal because crypto miners were able to crack that in all of like two minutes. But AMD says hmm. we would never do that. And now here we are, and they're doing that for some of their more budget cards. By the way, the card I was yeah. talking about, the card I was talking about with the AMD RX 6500 XT. See, there's hmm. that, there's that naming. They yeah. put they put the word um they put they 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 managed to put all the letters for RTX, but they just switched them around. So instead of <laughs> RTX, it's RX XT. So, yeah. yay, $200 by the but way, I mean, 200 bucks. But I mean, if we're being realistic, 
what would you rather do for cryptocurrency mining? Would you rather get one or two high spec cards which can do the work faster or a bunch of uh, little budget oriented ones? I mean, there's the there's a matter of energy usage. So power if you're, if you're gonna if yeah, if you're gonna draw a lot of power, you might as well get the most powerful ones instead of getting the smaller ones, which, you know, based on the num if you have more, well you're gonna yeah. waste even more power, you know. At least I, at least I'll, that's my consistence on it. I'll I'll say what I say yeah. on my show, and then I'll kind of leave this to you yeah. two. But it's that every GPU that they can buy, it doesn't matter where it's from, uh, you know, if it's good, if it's bad, if it's old, if it's new, every one of them is worth a set dollar amount. You know, uh, MSRP maybe a thousand, but they know on average each one of these can mine about fifteen to seventeen hundred dollars worth of crypto. Then hey, they're gonna buy every single one because everything they can buy gets them one, two, exactly. seven, eight, a thousand dollars. And you know, for the average consumer out there that just wants to play Halo, like you said, uh, they have to, you know, they have to compete with the same people that know they can make twice that much money off of it, and they just have to pay those prices. Well, yeah. you know, what's, hey, can I? I have one more comment. We can move on from crypto stuff. Go for it. But I was talking to Herman about this as we uh, were coming back from the airport. You remember Herman? We talked about ten years ago. Um, Tim Cook, right, head of Apple. Like the last thing Steve Jobs ever did before he died was he assigned Tim Cook to run the company. And you see why. Like you look at now, you look at you look at the market right now, and maybe Jobs actually foresaw something that we didn't even see because you know maybe that was his last innovation. Is that we 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 say we're in the middle of a of a product shortage. We're really not. We're in the middle of mismanagement of product uh, and procurement because if you want to get a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox X or S, if you want to get a GPU from NVIDIA or whatever, if you want to get all that stuff, you can't really get it. But if you want to buy a brand new iPad Pro, if you want to buy a brand new MacBook Pro, if you want to buy a new iPhone, you can get it. I can get you 10 of them right now. Won't even be tough. There's, you remember, Ben, 10 years ago, how things have flipped. If you wanted to get an iPhone, you had to wait, and, you had to hire homeless people to wait in line <laughs> for you. It was a big, it was an aftermarket. You remember this? It was literally yeah. a news event when an iPhone came out because you had people waiting around the line. You had people waiting around the block. But Tim Cook, whose singular, whose singular success was uh, restratifying the supply chain, he perfected it. Apple simply does not have this problem. How come all the chip manufacturers in the world are affected by the chip crisis except Apple? And they and their products still sell record numbers. Uh, Apple sells more iPhones than Sony sells PlayStations, you know, and more than Nintendo sells Switches, more than NVIDIA sells graphics cards. Like, they, they outsell them by a magnitude of 20, but they don't have this problem. But everybody else has this problem. And it's just, it's funny to me to sit here and look at it and say, when people say, oh, it's a shortage, shortage. No, it's, it's, it's disorganization is what it is. It's complete disorganization from, a, from an industry that wasn't able to see where things were going and they never pivoted correctly. They didn't Wayne Gretzky this stuff, Ben. They didn't look where the puck was going. <laughs> they looked where it was. And you know what I'm talking about, too. It's ridiculous. It's look, absolutely let's, let's ridiculous. Be on, let's be honest here. This isn't a new situation for uh, for these uh, computer manufacturers of you know parts and stuff like that. You remember the generation before, before before our lives as we know it changed forever they still <laughs> had they still happened. had they still had production and shortage issues so that's what i'm saying it's new. not new it's just amplified it's just amplified oh, do you remember herman we were at micro center like two years ago and they had uh price tags on their on their cheap video cards ten thousand dollars 
Yeah, crazy. that was before the uh, I think yeah. the first crypto crash. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that. that, that's what I'm saying. Like they're using excuses because they're not able to solve the problem, and yeah. that's that's what be, I'm saying. The problem solved. Or maybe they, or maybe they don't care enough. Maybe their profits are through the roof that they're not concerned with it immediately. It's it's creating mass confusion. And I, again, supply line issues have always. This is the oldest history of human society, by the way. Everything, every every epoch and every civilization has this problem. How do we get the, like? How do we get spices to to make our rancid meat taste better? How do we get you know? How do we get you know? How do we get human capital across? And right now it's cryptocurrency. So honestly, human evolution, we suck. Yeah, we suck at this. So. <laughs> Get Tim Cook on the board. We should we should move away from this topic because I wasn't expecting to get a history lesson in. But it's true scale though. of economics. It's just it is it, funny it though. Is. It is funny though. It is. It's just it is funny because they never want to blame themselves. And so all I'm saying is, if you pay ten thousand dollars for a five year old GPU, congratulations. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. You're but... part of the problem. Uh, ben, any last thoughts about GPUs? Uh, nope. Good job, Tim Apple. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that's the that's the nicest thing I'll say about Apple on this podcast. That's the nicest thing. <laughs> Everything else, not so nice. So, but anyway, uh, yeah, let's move on. So, Herman, let's talk about real quick. Let's get into laptops real quick because there are a lot of laptops, um, and a lot of laptop stuff kind of merged what we talked about with OLED. So, what is what is your opinion? I I think that uh, the laptop market is exhausting their their current premium segment. So OLED displays are the next uh, step to just sort of keep that market afloat. They, they look nice. They, those laptops do look nice, but I'm not buying one. Hmm. I mean, the only way, the only feasible way I could see this like being at least breaking even is is if you know they market it towards uh, gamers or business types. You know, or- the the young professionals. Who still somehow? Who still somehow have to work outside of the home? They have jobs. They actually yeah. work. Ben, real quick before I get into my thing, did you see anything that really struck out fancy pants for laptops with you? Laptops? Uh, no, it was more of like the I, I don't want to call it a tablet, but it was one that folds. I think it was from uh, Lenovo. I'm trying to remember, might have been Lenovo, and it, I think it might have been a ThinkPad. But uh, yes. you know, there there were a lot of good laptops, but none really struck me as like, this is one I got to get, you know? I I yeah. wrote it down. I actually had on my notes. Uh, you're talking about the ThinkBook Plus Gen 3. That one. That's that <laughs> hypothetical. It's yeah, it's an ultra-wide 17.3-inch with a 8-inch. Wait, is that the foldable one? Okay, I, I'm being confused. You talking about the one with the little tablet embedded in the keyboard or the one that actually folds? Uh, I was talking about the one that actually folds, but I did see the one with the tablet with the second display underneath it as well. Uh, actually, actually, I'm thinking that's the Asus. Yes, Asus. Uh, it's the, the folding it, screen. Uh, yes, 17 fold or whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it. Turns into a 12.5 inch clamshell notebook. So, real. Uh, yeah, there's there's not a lot. It's just weird products. But the ones that got me, the ones that I liked, that I saw, uh, I liked what you just. I, I liked the one you mentioned, the the concept one. Um, but I like the TCL Book 14 Go. Again, it's one of those budget things that no one really talked about. Um, did you? Did any of you guys see this? I did not. Okay, not revolutionary in the slightest, but it was cheap. It's a Snapdragon uh, Windows 11, uh, not Windows 11 S, but Windows 11 uh, laptop that does uh, Wi-Fi and 4G, 
And really, they're still doing that. Yeah, but it's man. I remember. I remember back <laughs> in 2018. <laughs> I sound like an old man, like an old geezer. But yeah, they tried to they tried to push that a few years ago. They I tried. guess I guess the biggest advantage now is what? Uh, what's what's uh, improved compared to those one the ones from two three years ago? Uh, price. Like that's that's the price because you remember what happened after when the pandemic happened. There was a surge in Chromebooks. And Chromebooks oversold everything, outsold Windows, outsold MacBooks, everything. And then immediately when the school started opening, the, I don't know, if, Ben, you report more on news than I do, but there was a huge Chromebook crash. Like sales went mm-hmm. down like 80%. And because people were coming out of there, they weren't forced to use Chromebooks anymore. So the need for these budget uh, laptops really cycled back to Windows because let's be honest, there's no cheap MacBook. So you have these budget Windows laptops, Herman, that use cheap mobile processors like Snapdragon. Um, yeah. But the problem was, you remember, they're not compatible with anything. Remember, because they're not Intel, they're not AMD. So I think... Yeah, um, I, I remember that being the big divide when... Because uh, they, as I said before, they did they did this uh, a couple years ago. So the only thing that's really new about this is uh, cost of entry, it seems like. Well, the problem was is that these laptops threatened to schism the market. Like, remember when Windows RT came out years ago? Where you yeah. had um, you had Windows versions that were incompatible with other Windows versions because the software mm-hmm. had to be proprietary. I believe they've solved most of these problems. The TCL Book 14, it's nothing exceptional. I'm not trying to like promote or anything, but it does seem to have found a sweet spot where it actually is compatible with most of Windows 11 and Android apps. Again, I'm I'm always interested in budget stuff, like budget video cards, budget everything, and I want to get into TCL later because I I got to give them one of my best of show awards. But for now. I just saw, like you said, besides the crazy OLEDs and the foldables, it was just pretty much more power equals better yeah. laptops. And that's fine. I mean, you know, evolution's better than innovation sometimes. So Well, we honestly, if we want to see if these laptops will actually, you know, reach a light of day for, for consumers, we have to wait until Computex you know, in Taiwan. I think that happens in May or June. Still happening? Yeah. I, I got some emails. They're saying they're doing something. Uh, Generally speaking, yeah. When it comes to CES, I don't really concentrate too much on the laptops, largely because a lot of the real laptop news comes from Computex. And what you usually see is either greatly diminished in uh, from concept to production or just doesn't come out at all. I just remember. Which also happens quite a bit. Just It seems like yesterday when everything coming out of CES was tablets. You remember? Tablet, oh, tablet, yeah. tablet, and nothing. Mm-hmm. Not There's no tablets there now. Gone. Because I think the tablet market is basically iPad, right? And Apple doesn't show up. So, Essentially. Yeah. I mean, that's like... it, honestly, it's probably the best way to go about it. Guys, let's uh, segue into something a little more fun. Before we okay. get into the crazy stuff, let's talk about non-TV displays, because there was a whole bunch that was shown there. And it crosses over a little bit into that alphabet soup of acronyms we talked about with OLED, QLED, whatever. But uh, Herman, let me start you off real quick. Gaming monitors and non-gaming monitors, but non-TV displays. What'd you see? What's uh, like projectors and all that? All of it. Like we have gaming okay. mon- gaming monitors, projectors, laser pointers, all that stuff. There was a whole bunch, and they're all like geared towards high resolution. There are two that come to mind. One's high, one's high resolution, premium, and one is more fun movie night type of stuff. I want to get into the fun stuff first, which is uh, the Samsung Freestyle projector. Mm-hmm. The thing that looks like a can. 
like a you know coffee can or something like that. It does. Yeah, it's not high spec. It's not. It's, it has a native resolution of 1080p, but it's very travel friendly. It has looks like it has decent speakers and it can turn 180 degrees. So it's very portable and flexible. It's like your viewing area is compromised. There was a lot of news about this projector that came out of CES. A lot. I was mm-hmm. actually I was actually surprised there was so much news on yeah. it. I'm like, really? Yeah, it, it, but it doesn't seem like influencer news, but but it felt like actual news that people were actually genu- but which is funny because it's not cheap. It's nine hundred bucks. Mm, I mean, for, in the pro- uh, in the projector realm, yeah. that is that is somewhat mid tier, a little bit. I mean, you can I, you can go even higher than that. We all know that. Yeah. I think when I was looking at comparable systems, like in terms of mainly, I was looking at like brightness and and, and resolution. Uh, Nine hundred is uh, like for a comparable non-portable standard uh, projector. This one, I think, uh, you know, you guys can correct me on this. Was it like three or six hundred uh, nits or lumens or whatever the heck they? Uh, you know, categorize the brightness in, and then like a standalone projector would be like 900 to 1200 uh, nits or lumens or whatever that is. So like, it's a lot worse than a standalone projector. You are paying a premium for the portable form factor, but it's still not bad. It's still you know kind of a a decent projector. Like that that is the bare minimum you want for you know kind of it, that kind of projector. Is it because of the form factor though? Because it's so portable? Is that why people are so excited about it? I think so. Gen- yeah, I think so, because we're, you know, you know, I review projectors from time to time, and yeah, that that's an odd one, in a good way. Ben, years I mean, and years. It's just it's just about having fun, I think, with that. Well, Herman, you remember years and years ago when we were in a college town, uh, we had that old projector. God, it was like ten years ago, and we used to have, and we used to project like GameCube and PlayStation games on the side of buildings, and. We had to hook that projector up to an external power source. Remember, we had to get like a power inverter because it wouldn't run natively. Um, and this is a better projector than I think than anything we used back then. Yeah, it really is. You know, uh, I I prefer more uh, you know, cine like cinephile experiences. So I mean, like like if it were my first choice, no. But as, as a secondary thing, or you know, a fun party weekend. To sort of get together type display, I, I think it's I think it's uh I think it's an attractive deal. It is uh, nine hundred dollars might might seem like a lot, but in reality, if we're talking about projectors, uh, that price is on the medium low end. Mm-hmm. I, it's uh, not bad. I don't quite understand how they they come to this, but a lot of the press about this was trying to tie this in with TikTok and how it's going to be great for people who create online content. Uh, maybe maybe it's because I'm so foreign to that market. I'm sure someone will look at the technology and say I could use this, as opposed to like, you know, creating backgrounds that aren't necessarily just green screen, or maybe being outside without needing to bring those big circular LED bulbs to illuminate their features. But who knows? It's not my market at all. Maybe there Ben's. was also a feature where the uh, yeah maybe mine. Uh, I actually do want to make a TikTok, but you know, we'll talk more <laughs> about that later. Uh, you have to help me launch it. But uh, I do have to say that it, it was actually pretty cool with the whole adapter where you could, pl- uh, you know, I guess kind of screw it into a light fixture. I mean, you know, 
Samsung at least came out with something different and fun. Like mm-hmm. you don't see too many smart, uh, well, you know, smart lighting, but you don't see too many monitors or projectors that are like, oh yeah, just plug it into any or screw it into any light socket. I mean, that was cool. That is pretty cool. Um, and it is voice activated, right? I think it has Bixby and, yeah. and smart speaker, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, th- I think it has apps too, so you can stream Netflix from it. Yeah. I can see why people. I like think this. I think that's one of the. I think that's uh, a like a big attraction point. It has it has apps you can you know stream off of it. As long as it doesn't have uh, Tizen, I'll be happy. It doesn't have Tizen. <laughs> yeah, if it has Tizen, then I'm not interested. But um, not sure. So real quick, moving. Uh, let me let me focus to another projector I saw. Um, a company that I like quite a bit. I actually have a couple of their things. Anchor showed off a Nebula Cosmos Laser 4K projector, which seems the opposite of the freestyle. It's more traditional, but it's a 4K projector Did you, at high lumens. Did you see this, Herman? Oh, I got to touch it. Oh, really? However, <laughs> I got uh, to touch however... it. <laughs> uh, phrasing. But anyway, yeah, it was at the Pepcom uh, pre-show thing, mm-hmm. and it was actually relatively... Uh, un- like light looking, it uh, was sort of like a rectangular square type deal. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like it took up a lot of space either. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to review that because they had me sign um, a form and all that oh, good nice. stuff. So we'll see later on. I'm not. It's supposed to come out. I think it's already out or soon to come out. But yeah, 4K laser projection. Yeah, and I think it has apps built into it too. So there's that. Well, the reason I bring it up, because Anchor, like I said, they're pretty much one of the leaders in the market of portable Bluetooth speakers that are cheap. Not cheap as in bad, but cheap as in less expensive, but rubbery, so you can like take them to the beach. Um, yeah. Like I said, I have two of them myself, but it's... Uh, I th- yeah. I think the phrase you're looking for, for these types of projectors, they Durable. call them ho- uh, home theater in a box. Okay. Because they're small, they're light, they're portable, and they typically have smart features built into them or streaming apps. So you don't have to waste time with a with another device. It's all built in. That's interesting. Now, are either of these considered short throw? What's the terminology there? Um, you know, I have to look back, but it may it may be short throw. I know I know a projector that I did that was also there that is short throw. Which is the Zigimi? Am I, am I saying that's it's a Chinese brand? I'm I'm mispronouncing it clearly. They're prob- if it's a Chinese brand, they're probably mispronouncing it too. So <laughs> yeah, the, the it's spelled X G I M I, and they do have an ultra short throw projector, which is also in the theater in the box category. So small, light, portable has smart features and apps built into it as well. Yeah, that uh... and I. I think that's where I think that's where the market's headed. If if you're trying to go from a regular display to a projector, but you're not sure if you want to actually invest, so this is these are nice entry points. I like the projector market. I think uh, it's fascinating that this market is clearly strong, but it's not dominant, and so they 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 can play a little more. They can innovate a little more with fun stuff. So yeah. And speaking of expensive, I mean, you could go. He could go twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars with uh, the J oh, the I JVC couldn't, projectors. I couldn't go that. High. I could not go that high. <laughs> if, if you so. wanted to, if you have, if you have dreams and aspirations of doing that, yeah, JVC has you covered with their with their DILA projectors, which are considered cinema industry grade, just for the home. Mm-hmm. But you will, you will be paying 
<laughs> Probably have to take a second mortgage out on the house if you want one in, in see, your theater room. This is why I spent in 30 bucks to go see Spider-Man at a um, big screen is not that bad of a deal. Like I just leave yeah. the screen I just leave the screen there. Just go And there. and last one real quick. Hisense uh is uh doing uh relatively well with their laser TV uh models. That's yeah. uh, that's a projector type too. It's a, it's short throw and they come in set uh, screen sizes so they have 100 inch and 120 inch. But those are also thousands of dollars. Not JVC thousands of dollars, not in the five digit but still in the four digit range. They they look impressive. They should. And yeah. They um, really do. I, I like it quite a bit. I I don't think we can get one in for review since it's sort of a, a niche product, but it was nice to see. Yes, that's really, that's really why we're not going to get it. It's because the product <laughs> is niche, not because of us. The product. It's the product's fault. That's the well, story we're sticking I, to. I haven't seen I haven't seen uh the high sense laser TVs um at any Best Buy, so I um, don't know if it's special order or not. When I see high sense at Best Buy, I see really impressive looking big screen TVs that don't break the bank. And I like where Hisense is going. I told you I was actually tempted when remember when I upgraded my TV last year, I was tempted with a Hisense. Unfortunately, it didn't have quite all the features I wanted, so I had to skip it. But I would yeah. I would see myself in the future. But um hey Ben, real quick, I- so we talked about monitors. But mm-hmm. what's your TV at home? Are you thinking about upgrading anytime soon or are you happy like did did you see anything at CES would cause you to think about upgrading? Um, unfortunately, TVs are something that I think uh, Herman did well, which is you have to go there and see them yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There, there were some form factors of like monitors I liked. Uh, TVs in particular, though, I mean, honestly, like the way that I kind of use TV, like as long as it streams Netflix, I mean, <laughs> the actual look of it. I, the, That's the fair. Thing is, you know, things are things. Things look pretty good, and the need to upgrade really hasn't hit me yet. Uh, the 8K hasn't tickled my fancy. The uh, the true darks of you know uh, OLED haven't really made me want to shell out fifteen hundred dollars. Like I'm not looking, and I you know because I'm American, everyone thinks just like me. They're <laughs> not going to shell out money until they have to. You know, like none of the stuff is super imperative for, for me right now. You they actually, look good, but it, I don't need it. But you know what? You bring but up ben, a, you bring up a great point. Ben, yeah. Don't you want that uh, transformable TV that we talked about from Skyworth? I I had it pulled up Skyworth, and I was going to mention you know before we move on from displays, <laughs> transformable TV. So hey, it can actually yeah. turn into a good TV. That's impressive. It better turn into a truck. <laughs> if it doesn't turn yeah. into a truck, if I can't drive it, but um. Well, it, it's a it's an OLED that can go from flat to curved with the push of a button. I think the mo- the model is called the W eighty two. You know, and pl- they w- and they want to bring it to the North American market this year, so we'll see about That's that. That's not impressive. Plastic surgeons have been making flat to curve for years. It's not new technology. <laughs> um, no, but uh, but real quick, Ben, you bring up a great point that we didn't even really talk about, except when we talked about the graphics cards. It's content. Like Herman, we didn't see really much anything with 4K Blu-rays or or digital media. So you can have these big, giant nine ninety-nine inch TVs and all this stuff, but. At the end of the day, the content you're watching is going to limit how good they look. Um, you know, they got 8K displays. You got all this stuff. Only gaming really takes advantage of some of that stuff because gaming sort of set up to take advantage of high refresh rates and HDR wow. and all that. But what about? But even then, but even then, uh, the current uh, specs that we have 
can't really pull it off exactly. effectively. Exactly. So we still, um, it's a waiting game. And then you have like movies, like I'm sorry, like even if you pay for the high-end Netflix premium, sorry Ben, or Amazon Prime <laughs> or whatever, you're you're still getting a 4K streaming version. You're not getting the high bit rate stream, you know, that you'd get with like a 4K Blu-ray or Ultra, whatever they call it. So it's more future-proofing, isn't it, really? Yeah, I so, guess. People are going to need that, though. I think uh, Avatar 2022 trailer just <laughs> launched, so, did you it, know. Did it finally come out? Yeah. Yeah, I think yesterday the new Avatar trailer came out. So, you know, well, get get those TVs on. now. I'm going to throw my stuff away. It's not good anymore. Thank you, James Cameron. <laughs> screwing. Do you remember when Avatar came out, Herman, in the middle of that 3D craze? Everyone and... needed a 3D yeah. TV. And they would yeah. give the movie away. And it's like, it's like. I mean, Daniel I wanted Cameron. one. Because he tricked you. He's like, wow, 3D really is great. It's going to be great for everything. And you know what you got after Avatar? You got Piranha movies. Because that's all there was. There was nothing. Because you forget, you forget, it's James Cameron. He's a genius. The guy making well, the guy making that crappy Netflix movie. It's not a genius. You know, say what you will about that, but it did, it did redirect my focus towards uh, reviewing projectors. So that is true. There's a silver lining in that. Well, the thing about it is that 3D. And all that stuff, it, it needs to come out every couple of years and fail so we don't ever take it seriously. <laughs> we don't really we, – we just – you know what? Do better fidelity. We don't need 3D. We don't need immersive TV. Yeah. We don't need motion control for video games. It's my, my favorite saga of the 3D TVs was when they put it into people's homes, and I guess people were seeing it out of the corner of their eye while they were climbing stairs, and they fell downstairs. Like 3D TV was literally killing people, and – you know that 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 was a different turn. Well, you know, I I have to bring it up uh, though. <laughs> when when I was t- actually I I talked to the guy who uh, worked uh, for Samsung's team. He he works for Skyworth now. I don't I don't want to reveal his name. I'm not sure if he would be comfortable with that. But he was in the thick of it. He had to deal with that uh, all that nonsense right in the middle. Like mm. active versus passive glasses, viability of it, content. Yeah, he he told me stories about that, and that and it and that meeting at Skyworth went from a half hour to about a little over an hour because of his because uh, of his uh, veterans' tales. <laughs> Herman, I don't go his, to CES. His war stories, Herman, so to speak. I don't physically go to CES as much as you do, but I remember one year you and I were there. Uh, some years ago and we were I think we were at the Vizio booth and Vizio was one of the biggest adopters of 3D and you remember we were t- we were talking with them I think it was at one of the hotels and you could feel like the desperation and depression because what what you mentioned this the the horrible like compatibility issues with 3D was making it tough yeah. for consumers to enjoy it and you had passive active you had gaming you had non-gaming you had 3D non-3D all this stuff and at the end of the day it's just wow yeah, um, my the guy I was talking to, he he remembers like verbal assaults and arguments between Samsung and LG, and he had to manage and he had to manage the Samsung team through all that. Yeah, just just I I heard the exhaustion in his voice when he was uh, going reminiscing about that for well, sure. Three D three D did have its one did have one effect though. It united everybody in how much everybody hated it. And 
And let's move on to something that I think is very similar to 3D. Thank you very much. Yeah, because, well, don't thank me yet because it, we have to mention it. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I don't think it merits it. But, Ben, you know where I'm going with this because it was a buzzword, the metaverse, um, which I think is this year's 3D. I think the metaverse is is I'll just come out and say it. I think it's it's a big scam. I think it's terrible. I don't think anybody wants it, but we're going they're going to press it and they're going to make you think you want it and they're going to waste a lot of okay, time. So, so let's get so going. So let me pick a bone here real quick. Yeah. Um, uh, just real quick. There was an article today, um, you know, uh, John Fingus, he writes prolifically for Engadget, I'm sure a couple other publications. I think I've read uh, him, he, yeah. he 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 kind of copied some uh, some other headlines and I've seen it other places when they say Apple wants nothing to do with the metaverse. Okay, so uh, <laughs> Facebook turned meta and created metaverse. Why would Apple at their press conference say anything in the nature of metaverse when that is their competitor's product? Like the fact that everyone's saying, oh, Apple wants nothing to do with the metaverse. Like it doesn't matter because that's not their product and they're not going to invoke someone else's product. Because Apple's smart enough. Talking about theirs. Yeah, not- I hated that headline. Well, the problem the problem is is that um, is that they're, they're asking Apple to to comment with support and Apple and everyone has been pegging Apple as having an AR headset as opposed to VR and I we still haven't anything confirmed with that so I don't, I don't know but you're right you're exactly right the word metaverse is essentially a trademark of Facebook or whatever it Facebook's is. called um, or as a rebranding to escape bad publicity which it was yeah <laughs> so which it was. Uh, but, it, but it's like if a giant elephant took a step to the left and it's like, oh, wait, where'd it go? You know, it's well, it's yeah. like when it's like when you have those scummy tech companies <laughs> that try to trademark certain words like the so they can, you know, they can get a monopoly on it. Like we're going to yeah. trademark water. So every time you use water, um, it's just it's terrible. But let's get into it, though, because we got to say it because it did occupy way too much space, um, virtual space. So, Herman, you told me yourself that one of the exhibitors had a meta I don't know what I don't want to use that term. I feel like I'm branding. Uh, tell me what you thought. What I think about the metaverse is this: uh, it generally does not appeal to me. However, you know, knowing uh, people as a whole, they'll jump they'll jump onto it j- at least just to try it once. And uh, and we're in a we're in a world where people work from home and whatnot, and. The, the types of metaverse uh, products and technology I witnessed were related mainly to business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they could have a virtual uh, meeting room, things like that. Uh, I, I expect that to trickle down in some very dumbed-down uh, primary form to regular people. Because, let, let's be honest, social media for, for a lot of people, it is their lives. And what better way to promote yourself or your quote unquote brand than doing it virtually through the metaverse? I've always I always felt that one of the reasons why things like 3D didn't catch on wasn't because the technology wasn't cool or VR wasn't, but the wrong people were promoting it. The wrong companies were promoting it. And yeah. And I can't think of a company worse to promote something like this than Facebook. I'm going to call them Facebook. They're not escaping. So, okay. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like this is a company that has demonstrably violated people's civil rights and personal pri- privacies, and they want 
you to forget that and turn you into a cartoon avatar so you can have a conversation with a duck. And I'm sorry, but no. <laughs> no, yeah, but no, doesn't, no. Doesn't Facebook or Meta also have Instagram under their umbrella too? Instagram, which, by the way, has also been getting attacked as being harmful. And I think yeah. they have WhatsApp. And so, so yeah, they have they, this they giant have, they umbrella. They have it. Yeah, I, so, I think they're trying. I think they're trying to complete, complete the alliance, so to speak. The, the horrible, horrible, horrible alliance. Look, I don't like any of that stuff to be honest, but I see where it will most likely go. I think it'll most likely people will just jump, jump ship on but, there. But there was and, well, but, but there was product shown it there though. That's what I'm saying. Like there was yeah, stuff shown yeah. at the show. Um, I think what people need to pay attention to is that uh, Apple has talked about creating virtual content and having a marketplace for NFTs. And, you know, Samsung had an NFT marketplace built into their TVs and Google has said they're going to do stuff. Uh, I think what people need to take note of is that when you have five, ten trillion dollar companies, you know, five individual trillion dollar companies all saying that they want to explore the space. Whether anyone wants it, Nathan, yeah, doesn't matter. I know. It's going to get shoved down our throats, right. and they have enough capital to make it happen. So people need to be aware of it because yep. they're going to see it either way. I agree, and I and I think it, I think it has its place, though. That's the problem. Um, the best use I've ever seen of this technology, exception of porn, was I think. <laughs> no, I'm I'm being honest with you, um, but not personally. But. You you had this you had this story about a year ago when I think somebody had modified Ubisoft's Assassin's Creed to become an educational material like a supplement material for ancient Egypt mm. Greece I forget what it was and I thought to myself that's a really nice version of this we can teach but I don't think anybody is looking at the metaverse as homework I think they're looking at it as basically a casino. And yeah, but it has the potential to be uh, with under the right under the right eyes and the right hands. So uh, exa there, there's, it, exactly. But exactly. Let's be honest. You know me. I'm a cynical bastard. Yeah. I think it will be used for garbage yep. for the most part, and we'll just accept that as you know normal. Well, because <laughs> humans are stupid. Well, here's the thing, though, and I want to. <laughs> I told you I didn't want to spend too much time on this, but the other yeah. version of that would be the AR version of that, which I think does have applications, and I think there was stuff shown off. And again, I go back to TCL because TCL actually had a premium AR smart glasses. They had their Linono or Linio or Linio or Lapalo. I don't, I don't know. I can't pronounce it. It's a fake yeah. word. Um, but they show that. And there was also co concepts of how AR could be used outside. And you know what I thought about? You remember the Steven Spielberg movie Minority Report? Which, um, yeah. yeah. Which I think ended up becoming like the most prescient of all the sci-fi movies, where it turns out that technology actually all ended up happening. Um, you remember they had smart eyeballs in the movie, uh, where I think Tom Cruise got replacement eyes from a Chinese guy, but they had augmented technology into it. He could see things augmented over the real world. That's what I think AR is trying to do. It's trying to augment and and add some sort of you know infrared layer of gunk onto the real world and I think as horrible as that sounds I think it sounds a lot more plausible than putting a headset over your head and becoming a, a talking rhinoceros and flying through <laughs> and flying you know and flying and talking to I don't want to yeah, say yeah you, you, you were thinking of minority port I was thinking more like ready player one ready player one is my idea what happens when you die and go to hell like that sort <laughs> of stuff is hellish it's like black except Mirror. you willingly jump into the hellfire the pit 
when Mark Zuckerberg showed off his metaverse, it I thought it was a satire. I thought it was like Silicon Valley. Like what they thought was attractive was frightening and scary, I think, to yeah. a lot of people. Like the digital Mark Zuckerberg looked somehow more realistic and yet more cartoony than the real thing. And it's just so unappealing to jump in there. But I do think augmenting your reality with AR glasses, I think that has merit. I think that has value. And I think I, we're probably going to see AR happen way before the metaverse happens. Well, I mean, we've already seen crude sort of uh, depictions of it. Uh, do you remember when when Travis Scott ha- had that concert in Fortnite? We don't talk about Travis Scott concerts, Herman, because they don't end well. Well, yeah, let's let's not get into that. <laughs> they don't. I don't think we have. I don't think we have time for a five minute setup for a joke. No, it's but not. A, I it's, will say, it's not a joke. Though. I, I, I know. I know what happened. I know what happened. <laughs> but I can. I can, like the possibilities of the metaverse. I can see that being one of them. For uh, sure. You remember years and years and years ago uh, when Star Wars Galaxies, I think it was, was a competitor to World of Warcraft. Um, they actually started that whole thing back then. They actually had David Bowie show up given a concert. Do you remember that? Yeah. And they had a million people concurrently. It beat out World of Warcraft, but it didn't It didn't stick. Fortnite stuck. Fortnite's here. It's successful. They had all kinds of weird stuff going on in that place. Um, yeah, just, just apply that to, you know, Metaverse, your avatar going in to yeah. virtual reality and all that. And- I will- <laughs> I'll be There's glad. a market there, I, I think. There is, and I'll be glad I'll be dead before it happens so they can enjoy their abyss. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we have anything really to add. I know play, Sony showed off... Well, I don't know. Did Sony actually show off the PSVR 2 at CES, or did they just mention it at CES? Because it was a big story. That, it. it was a big story. They had out. a render of it a on, on, on its presentation. But uh, yeah. yeah. My, uh, my take is that it's not compatible at all with the original model. So I don't know. Um, I know HTC showed off the Vive wrist controller for their Vive Focus Three. Like there is movement in this in this direction, but it's movement by the manufacturers. But I don't necessarily know if there's any um, if there's been any uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, consumers, consumer interest? Yeah, consumer interest. Like I know there's interest, but I don't think there's any adopting of this. So, but again, I'm I'm not cynical. I'm just realist. So, Herman, you're cynical. I know you hate it. I hate it too, but I think Ben has the well, right. I think, Ben, you're completely right. I think there's going to be a lot more noise about this before it dies down. I, mm-hmm. I hate it until I can figure out a way to profit off of it. Then I'll love it, <laughs> I, and I'll tell you and all your friends to, to jump into the metaverse as well. Well, I hate to say it. It's like when Apple showed off those emote, those uh, talking AR faces a couple years ago, those anim- where you could become an animal. That's going to be the metaverse in real life, and there's going to be porn, and that's what's going to make it work. And you don't want to hear it, but it's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, real quick, before we go off, uh, we have two more things. we got to talk about the, the crazy stuff, which is fun. But, Herman, this is for you and Ben. This is your this is your wheelhouse. Autos. A lot of car stuff, because those people showed up. Wheelhouse. Showed up. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I, I, think you're, I think you're building it up more than it needs to be uh we're talking about auto manufacturers there are only like a small handful uh audi and bmw didn't show up toyota didn't show up uh hyundai uh they mainly showed off industrial type uh concepts uh the only the only three i can 
or like right off the top of my head that I actually physically went to is BMW, which we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chrysler's Delantis, which they mainly just showed off uh, their new uh, Jeep products. Didn't they show, off an, so, didn't they show was, off an airflow concept of some sort? Yeah, they did, but it was just it was just on a pedestal. If you if you want to know more about the air the Chrysler Airflow, you'd have you go get the press release because it was just sitting there. No one was really talking about it. Uh, and also, uh, Vietnamese uh, EV startup called Vinfast. Ben, we talked about them uh, for yep. on your show. So yeah, uh, Tesla competitor. They are promising uh, between twenty to forty percent more range, and also they're starting pre-orders for for their vehicles. At the show, I uh, I got one comment, and I'm going to shut up. Uh, before the show, I asked Herman to keep an eye out for e-ink products because I thought, oh, monitors. I, <laughs> I I correctly predicted that monitors would be a big part of the show, and I said, Herman, I want you to see if there's any prototypes of e-ink monitors because there's been some rumble about that. I said, pay attention to e-ink. Never in my dreams did I think that e-ink would be applied to a car. So, <laughs> what <laughs> yeah, happened? Yeah, they just duct taped on the side. That was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, BMW iX. Yeah, uh, I mean that. I think that was mainly just to promote the their i sub brand, their electric brand. I right. I don't know uh, where where that e ink uh, coating would actually apply it to real life. NASCAR. Uh, people. NASCAR. NASCAR. Yeah. License plates for robbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, but. If we're talking about like actual real life application, it would just be too expensive to add on regular production cars. Maybe, as you said, like something like NASCAR or something where it's limited. Well, you know, there are companies <laughs> but, that actually pay you to put stickers on your car, like to put. To put yeah, I, that's what I mean. I, I can see that being an option for for something. But yeah, I, you know, it was pretty cool to see because, you did know, it, we, did you see I it live, in real life? I live in did the you Midwest. See, but did you see it with your eyes? Did it work? Yeah, I saw it with my eyes. They they had the tent out there and everything. Yeah, they had a couple rolling around. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool seeing it change from from white to black. I mean, if you want to if you want to try and make it viable, maybe you could say, oh, during a hot day, you could just change the color over to white, and it would cool the car off faster or something like that. But you just yeah, you, the, BMW. Yeah. BMWs uh, traditionally just use that type of tech and showcase just to promote, uh, you know, their existing lineup of vehicles. So, a nice, a nice little distract distraction for sure. Well, you can't read books so, on it though. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and of course, so you can do that. And I'm surprised because I actually came up with a little bit of a different list as far as cars went. I'm trying to find the one. There was another one that had like a solar panel on the on the hood of the car, uh, in in the in the top of the car to kind of extend the range. This was a good year for electric cars. If you're into range, because that was the biggest thing. I think Mercedes showed off with their EQ XX, uh, a 1000 kilometer, which came out to like what? 700 miles or something like that. 600 miles. Uh, Sony. I'm, I don't know why you guys didn't <laughs> mention that. Sony came out with an electric car. Yeah. But not the same one that they showed off a couple of years ago. I loved it. It was it's great. It's like they, it's like they got it out of the warehouse. Like, yeah, well, what do we no got? one's gonna show up. Yeah. Let's just let's just fill up some space right here. I think here. this time they showed off an SUV instead of a sedan. But yeah, essentially same thing. Uh, there was this, the Chevy Silverado electric pickup truck. That oh yeah, the EV. EV. Yeah, I I I think that electric pickup trucks 
with uh, you know if Tesla ever manages to get their Cybertruck off, um, and the Ford of course has theirs, Chevy has theirs. I think this year is going to be a big year for electric pickup trucks. You like, can't, yeah. You can't make a pickup truck that looks like a Nintendo sixty four game. It needs to look like a real truck. With that Silverado <laughs> EV, uh, I think it's going to share the same platform with that GMC Hummer. I think uh, I think it's coming down the same uh, production line. So it only it only makes sense for uh, Chevrolet to get their own version of an EV truck. Right. I, I mean, it was pretty good for cars, and and of course, inside all the cars, I'm sure you guys saw it. Uh, people need to be aware that in the future, the car will be the third living space. Like this is where car companies are coming from where you're not going to be driving them. They're going to drive themselves. So you need to be entertained and uh, porn aside, you need Mm -hmm. movies, video games, uh, or, you know, do work and productivity stuff. Uh, All of these cars had massive dashboard displays that span Mm -hmm. the entire thing and let you consume media and uh, products. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, going back to Chrysler Stellantis, even though they showed a bunch of Jeeps there, they they did show off uh, the Grand Wagoneer, which is just a huge truck-like seven, uh, seven seat, eight seat, three row SUV thing. Mm-hmm. It's there. There's actually like a six month waiting list for one right now, so you can't really buy it right now. Not until next year. But the front dashboard, yeah, they had uh, they had a screen for the passenger side too. So I mean, we I did see a little bit of that in a production ready vehicle. So it's already here. And you can watch Netflix on that on that passenger side screen and all that good stuff. It's cool. You know. Yeah. You know what's funny? Unnecess- um, unnecessary, but cool looking. <laughs> if and when these things hit, like I, I don't think, depending on what state you live in, I'm sure. But uh, when self-driving cars become reality up to a certain point, when the you know when the network is properly configured for it, I do think you're looking at it like a transformational change, like the way, at least Americans, function outside the home. Like the way cars have changed everything, um, yeah, I think drunk driving is going to go way down. I think DUIs are going to go way down. I think there's going to be a lot. There's going to it's just going to be completely different. And and when you are watching Netflix, when you're binge watching Stranger Things season ten or Squid Game version ten, you won't see the accident coming and you'll die happy <laughs> because some drunk That's is going to hit you. Some it. some drunk who's going to refuse technology is going to smash into you. I mean, at CES, they had the demonstration of the of the uh, the boring company tunnel system like that. That went, that went flawless. There was no problem with that. <laughs> oh, you talk about oh, the traffic jam. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, uh, I did get to uh, that's how I got from the, the central hall to the west hall where the automotive section is. That's that's like a few hundred million dollars put to good use. <laughs> well, but, yeah, it's... like the boring thing, the boring thing. Not boring as in yawn, yeah. but boring as in the company. It, I get it, but mainly just going back and forth in Tesla's through the tunnel was just an advertisement for Tesla. It wasn't really, it really didn't grab me. I think most yeah. things are advertisements for Tesla these days. Yeah, I think well, Elon Musk I mean, is basically nice... an advertisement for Tesla. Yeah, it's great. It's it's great if. Uh, you're obsessed with Tesla, but ne- have never been in one before, or you're just wide-eyed and starstruck by the company. But generally, yeah, yeah, it was okay. Elon Musk he recreated subways, but with cars. So yeah, that's all it is. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if someone has an accident in uh, in that Hyperloop 
deal. They don't ever talk about it, do they? They never talk about like what one thing could do. Yeah, it. that's the first thing I question. I'm like, wait a minute. What if something happens in the tunnel? But Herman, to be fair, you and I have driven every major city, and we've all gone on those giant undersea tunnels, like under the cities, like Boston and everything. And accidents are relatively few for the most part. And you're way underground. So, like, you're not easy to get to. So, yeah. But they are relatively few, so, you know. Um, I only saw one auto thing that I liked. I saw the Damon Hyper Fight Fighter motorcycle. Did you see this? EV motorcycle? Nope. Nobody I cares, did. did, in I? fact. Did you see it? I did. No, not the motorcycle. I went huh. to the booth. They didn't have it on display. Uh, I didn't have enough time to go to... Uh, to the tent where they were actually at, but I got some swag from them, mm-hmm. which uh, is gifting to a certain a certain somebody. So she'll enjoy it. She'll enjoy the the shirt and the and the bag and all that. Here's a shirt. It's well, not the I, motorcycle, but it, you can wear this. But I uh, but I asked them. It's like, where do you where do you see this going? It's like, wouldn't it be more realistic to uh, you know license your platform and technology to existing motorcycle companies and they said, "Hmm, that might be something to look into." Which is so probably, I, yeah, which is probably what their their goal is. Yeah, I I think it is, but it, I wish I had more time to actually see it in person. I really do, because it looked cool in the videos and all that. I'm a big fan of motorcycles. Like I wouldn't drive one because my eyesight's not good, but I like I like them. I don't like Harley Davidsons though; too noisy. Let's wind down a little bit. Let's get to the last section, and this is the part you've all been waiting for. The crazy stuff, the weird stuff that doesn't fit in any of the categories, the stuff that everybody talks about, the robots, everything else. I admit, didn't seem like there was much, but there was some stuff. So, Herman, what did you see? Gadgets, gizmos, doohads, whatever's left that we didn't talk about. There is a number of things. As I was talking to Ben the other day, you know the Eureka Hall where the startups Mm -hmm. are? There was a Japanese company that was showcasing their exoskeleton legs. Uh, for industry purposes. So if you work at a warehouse or a shipping yard, it's supposed to reduce fatigue for workers and, you know, aid in safety and all that. That was odd. I, w- I wish I would have caught the name of the company, but there's so many at Eureka Hall. It's like hundreds and hundreds of uh, little startups just packed into one little ballroom. So, But that's that's one thing. So the loader from Aliens is going to be real. Yeah, except for, except it's just for the legs. Okay, you can't I mean, take it, on it alien kinda, queens. It kind of it kind of looked like that. I mean, like it was uh, exoskeleton frame and all that good stuff. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's kind of it's kind of out there. But I, I, I think one that I saw was was from Hyundai. I think they had their own version of just the leg mobility kind of thing. And I uh, didn't Hyundai also or yeah, I think they bought uh, yeah Boston, Boston Dynamics. Yeah, yeah, with the. Uh, Robo canine things. They look a lot less. They look a lot less scary in person because they. I think they had smaller ones there, mm-hmm. so they weren't as scary to me. But I did see them up close. Do they synchronize dance still? <laughs> uh, they they weren't moving. I think if they were moving, there'd be no one in their booth because they'd just be like scared, crapless. <laughs> we've, we've come a long way since Asimov's. Um, but no, as long as as long as this technology leads to Gundams. I'm okay with it. But as long as it, if it leads to Terminators, then we need to kill it. 
Oh God! <laughs> so like, like there was that, and then like the other uh, robot thing that uh, there was like digital AIs, which uh, I guess kind of counts kind of robots. Like you know, robots with like facial expressions. I think were also there. I don't know if you saw those, Herman. I think they were mostly limited to private suites, which I couldn't get into. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, robots were were cool. Uh, I listened to a nice keynote uh, that uh, CES put on. It was about the future of food. And I'm like, food? I love food. And then I listened to that. And they had a bunch of uh, just a bunch of food writers talking about, you know, what the kitchen of 2030 is going to look like. And almost every one of them predicted that, you know, while if you want to cook, you can still cook. But people's kitchens are either going to be non-existent, like, you know, in smaller urban areas, uh, there will be no more need for the kitchen because it will either be just a robot that will do everything for you and you buy kind of meal like packaged meals that show up at your door every day oh or, yeah, you know, robots will just be in back in the kitchen oh. cooking. For you, so, you know, what that sounds I can't like? do it. That sounds like Spotify for food. Like you don't actually do anything. You just subscribe and the service does it all for you. Yeah. Yep. Oh wait, there's an there's another one. Uh, Nathan, uh, you you told me about this one, and I had to look for it. Which one? It's the Black and Decker oh, Bev capsule cocktail cocktail mixer. The Keurig. For the booze. automated bartender. Yeah. Yeah. I I did get a chance to check it out. It's like, how incompetent do you have to be <laughs> not to know how to mix? beverages into cocktails i don't well it's getting it's hard to be a functioning alcoholic these days <laughs> i get yeah. why it exists uh i do have i do have challenges with making a uh, long island iced teas but yeah that, i think I, that is I think it's the all-american dream like really the all-american <laughs> dream that you you know you, you work a hard day you come home and while there's not a woman with a cocktail ready to go you know in a martini you can at least have a robot sitting there by your door handing you a martini as soon as you walk in the door. You know, that, that 1950s kind of mentality. <laughs> well, it's yeah, a, but it's from a, what, from what I've a seen... A man's home is his castle, Ben. He needs yeah. his what drink. I've seen in the modern days, it seems like people are just satisfied enough with mixing a Red Bull and vodka. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's the thing, though. It's like making a mixed drink like this. The more you screw up, the less it matters because you're getting drunk. And I think that's the that's the purpose. It's not like a I, I it's not like Keurig where like every cup is a terrible cup of coffee, right? Yeah. Like the standard. Like at the end of the day, it's still booze. Yeah, I just hope for Black and Decker's sake they are aiming higher for a higher bar than Keurig. I know it's supposed to be the Keurig of cocktail mixers and all that, but I'm not a fan of Keurig. I'm really not. Well, I don't drink coffee in the first place, so that probably has a lot to do with it. So this might be up my alley. I'm I'm going I'm trying to look at it in a positive light. I, I want to be clear. I want to add something to what Herman said. Keurig coffee is terrible and it's really expensive. There's no upside like for buying a machine that turns your house into a gas station. Well, it's convenient. Yeah. It's it's I I, mm. I I think the advantage with this Black and Decker uh Bev capsule thing is that Buying alcohol is expensive by default, so what? What's a couple hundred more dollars for for like a capsule system gonna hurt? Gonna hurt the average alcoholic? Well, there. If the average alcoholic's probably not worried about as much as the average person at that point. Okay. Okay. Let me let me say functioning alcoholic. That's better. 
<laughs> you know what? If you have a drinking problem, contact your local <laughs> AA. Find some help, and don't don't buy anything that facilitates easier drinking. So I'm not I'm not advocating alcoholism, but there are functioning alcoholics out there, which you know hold down a job, can pay their stuff, their bills and mortgages <laughs> on time, but they but they enjoy you know the. A nice little boozed up drink more often than I think than we've other hit people. like about four PSAs on this one podcast so far. This yeah. <laughs> See, we're, 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 not, do, we're, we're doing the I'm community just, a service. I'm just not telling people not to drink. I'm just saying, of course. hey, we, we got well, Black and Decker's got you covered. I forget Mad who it was. Was it George Clooney who was advertising a coffee machine years ago? Um, yep. So well, they need to get uh, Daniel Craig. Espresso, I think. Or Nespresso. Yeah, that was Nespresso. Yeah. Uh, yeah. George Clooney also owned a tequila brand, which he sold off. Also, I think George Clooney owned Nespresso. Like he had like a very big chunk of it. He like he owned a big yeah. chunk. Of Nespresso. He was very he was very diversified for a while. Um, yes, but I think uh, I think it's Brian Cranston and uh, Aaron Paul who do the the tequila now. Like they bought. Yeah, some, yeah. They're 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 back selling tequila that they don't make. Um, Don't forget about uh, Conor McGregor and his uh, Scotch brand. Conor McGregor, I yeah, he, he's not going to convince me to buy anything. But Daniel Craig, I heard it was good Scotch. Eh, well, you know, he's got to win at something. So because uh, <laughs> it ain't in his chosen field. Um, moving on though, away from booze. What else did you see that's cute and crazy? Uh, that's all I had. That's it. That's the only. That's, I mean, we those can talk are the about standout show. Show. What's that? We can talk yeah, about we, Oh shows. yeah, yeah, good. What? Talk about what? Best in show. Top. top oh yes, hits, yes. Top. But but I did have a few things on my list because Herman, I sure. may have missed. But real quick, because I got to mention them. Bob the dishwasher. Did you see that? I did not see Bob. I kind of wish I did. Yeah, but you you saw of Bob, right? You've heard of the Bob dishwasher. It, yeah, I think so. It might be the most useless thing I've ever seen. Like the <laughs> most useless device. It is a dishwasher the size of a backpack that washes dishes. It's called, I think I saw a video one. of that yeah. before CES. Yeah. You have you have hands. You don't need something the size of a backpack to wash dishes. Maybe for me it was it sounded so useless and dumb that I just it's CES because it, it's, it's not ringing it's not ringing a bell for me. It's just the honest. word Bob the dishwasher. It just sounds so patriarchal. Um, another one that I saw, and again I understand these were hard to see because you know you were busy looking at the big stuff. Did you guys see the Boko Emo? The family robot of the future. I saw a okay. couple of robots like that, but not specifically that. It's very Japanese, and I think um, you know when you look when you look at when you think of Japanese and you think of robots, you used to think of like you know, well, assassins and and ninjas, but now you start seeing like companions to old people, like to seniors, because of the way the population is. Um, I I put a I put a a, a I have a. Sh- link to the video in the show notes if you guys are able to see it if not i'll share it but it's an interesting concept of a a robot that's integrated in the family and we've seen things like this before but this seemed a little more uh sophisticated than most Hmm. yep boko emo i think emo emo probably means something different in japan than it means here here it means weepy and so yeah (laughs) i I, I did see a robot that uh, I think I showed off at CES would be uh, Yukai Engineering. 
and they had a little uh, stuffed animal type robot, uh, like I guess robot inside, but it's like it's, it looks like a stuffed cutesy animal, and you stick your finger in its mouth I saw that, and yes. it nibbles your finger. Exactly, the finger nibbler. That's what I was looking for. Yep. Someone's going <laughs> to abuse that. Someone's going to abuse it. Um, did you guys see no. the? Did you guys see the movie Lab Wooden Smart Home Hub for Calm Visual Interface? It's a piece of wood that helps you manage your smart home. Did you see the Novetto NI invisible headphones? Novetto. I did. I did. did. You saw that? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I like the idea of that. It's not a new idea, but it's an interesting. Ver- did you see it, Herman? The uh, beam forming. Yeah, it's. Uh, it looks oh, like a soundbar. yeah. They had it at they had it at Showstoppers and Petcom, I believe. Did you have a chance to try it, or was it? I don't think it would work in a noisy room, though, would it? You'd have to probably be. A... Yeah, it, was, it was too noisy. It was too noisy. Um, the, uh, the, the, just... the concept was like you, you sit in front of a desk, you have this thing that looks like a sound bar, sits in front of you, and I think up to like uh, three meters, it sounds about 20 decibels, which would be you know kind of like low people talking, you can barely hear them. But when you're sitting in front of it, it's more of a 60 to 80 decibel normal speaker kind of volume. You know what's fun? If you guys ever go to a science museum that has this exhibit, a lot of science museums have these sound exhibits where you can, you can physically see how sound is transferred through the air. Because a lot of times you don't understand, you know, we don't think of sound as a thing, but you can transfer sound like you can hit an object and across the room the object will vibrate because it's done through sound. It's interesting, and mm-hmm. I and I and I'm I've never we never talk about how sound is is like this a lot. Like you hear sonic weapons and things like that in Cuba, but never like for music or something fun. It's always <laughs> it's always rotting your brain. My final thing, the only thing I saw, and, and I will not begrudge you guys if you didn't see this because it was not popular, but there was a device called the Poly, Polyglue Language Translator. It would say handheld Another device that, that translates on the fly. And it's like the... Uh, have, it, have either of you ever read Douglas Adams? Have you ever read Hitchhiker's Guide of to the Galaxy? Of course, Galaxy? the Babblefish. Yeah, yeah, the Babblefish. Everything is Babblefish, Babblefish. And it never happens. We keep getting promised. This looks really close. I have a video. Uh, if you ever had a chance to see it, it's P-O-L-I-G-L-U, Language Translator. I don't know if it's ever coming out, but it's the most easy-to-use version of this thing I've ever seen. It looked interesting. That's hmm. cool. Maybe they'll actually release it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they never come out. I'm, I have so many press releases from uh, like Kickstarter companies that you know, have promised this type of technology, but yeah, it never, it never because follows through. Because they got through. the money, Herman. They got the money. The product doesn't have to come out. They they did yeah. a, they did a, they did a render. Isn't that enough? I'm not I'm not I'm not saying I plunked down any of my hard on cash. I've just I just have the press releases to a lot of companies like this. Yeah, I and yeah, mean, it's, it's usually the same thing. It's usually like, yeah, we're gonna do this, and it never happens. The video shows the guy using it, but I don't know if it's real. But I like the, I always like these concepts of language immersion. Uh, so I'm always giving them a thumbs up when I see them just as a proof of concept. But this seemed interesting to me. Uh, okay. All right. Best of show. Let's finish this off so we can get all on with our lives. Herman, in a nutshell, what was your favorite thing of the show? My favorite thing, we talked about it briefly ago in this episode. It was uh, the Skyworth W82 transformable OLED. I'm trying to get away from displays and TVs, but it, they just keep pulling me back in. <laughs> You're like Scarface. Yeah. See, the difference between uh, this OLED and the other ones that we talked about is that I actually got 
a hands-on demo with it, so I actually got to see it work in action. It's not theoretical. And it actually works. No. No, it, it actually works at the push of a button. There's a dedicated button on the remote control to so you can choose your range of curvature. So they have they have the standard flat, uh, cinema, gaming, and I think dark mode or something like that. But it works, and Skyworth is saying they're going to release it in their domestic Asian markets, uh, I think, spring or summer this year. They they want to bring it out worldwide, so they they want North America uh, entry to be late 2022. You know what's really funny? Americans don't know anything about Skyworth, like and how big they are as a company. Oh, they they really don't. I mean, yeah. Like last year was the first was their they introduced products for the North American market, specifically OLED TVs, of course, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really affordable. However, they're either sold out or unavailable right now. Yeah, people are really grabbing them up uh, right before Christmas. It's got a nice name. But, I, the company has an interesting name. It's pronounceable, which is yeah. which is a big deal. But that's my best of because yeah, I got to actually see it and use it firsthand. <laughs> that helps. All the other stuff we all the other stuff we talked about is impressive, but it really it really helps to actually get a real feel for it. Did you see the CyberPower PC Kinetic case, by the way? Did you did you see anything about that when you were there? I didn't see that, but I saw a bunch of different cases and whatnot. There's the Alienware Night Nix NYX, which is a game server. Me and mm-hmm. Ben talked about that on his show. Mm-hmm. So much, there's so much stuff. Like a, yeah, there's so much it's stuff. It's supposed to work like a NAS drive, it's just except for games and, and high-performance stuff, so it can do four streams at a time, theoretically. Oh yeah, different, uh, I, systems, yeah. Yeah, so it's, oh, I I read about that before because you're into you're big into home servers anyway for yourself. Yeah. So I told Ben I I'd really like to have that. So <laughs> I'd like to have that, please. Yeah. <laughs> please give it here. But yeah, that's my best to show the Skyworth W82, and the runner up would be the Alienware uh, Nix or Nikes or whatever. Nice, Ben. I know you didn't physically go there, but you saw a lot of it. So what was your Best of show. Yeah. Uh, just before I came on here, I was putting together my kind of best show, and I handed out awards like candy, but uh, yeah. it was everything from Invoxia, which made a smart dog collar. Um, you know, it, it was a all-together pet health monitoring system. It's nice. Uh, there was things like that. There was, of course, uh, this one company I really love called Pentaform. They make a little uh, €100, Euro, $130 PC that is made uh, that's made to be biodegradable, it's very efficient, um, you know, runs on like less electricity than a light bulb. Um, it's decent, you know, it's, it's very low end, but for a lot of people in Southeast Asia and India and Africa, mm-hmm. uh, it may be their first step into a new computer and it looks really like it's really well engineered. It's all in one, uh, very good stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, you know, uh, there's some stuff I have for kids. And, but yeah, no, I would say those two would be my best in show. By the way, the Pentaform thing, it's only like 100, like you said, it's 100 euros, right? Or 100 pounds? Yeah. Yeah. So, but 100, what is that, 150 here or 120? I don't know. The yeah, somewhere rate. around there. Yeah, it's interesting and it's a real thing. It's um, it's a real computer. It's, it's not hyperware. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Um, I don't really have a best of show. I thought overall it was what I expected, but I do have a worst of show. Um, actually, yeah. I, I do have a best of show. I do, but it's not really a thing. It's a presentation. Um, once again, for the second year running, TCL had my favorite presentation because of how bonkers it was. And <laughs> this is a company that gets so excited about 
mid-range to high-range products that there's like Ed, if you ever watch their uh i don't know if you guys watch their ces presentation it's bizarre how edited it is and how strange it is but they get so excited about things that most people wouldn't get excited about and what really got me now was when they were talking about their 4k oled 144 hertz displays did you guys see this um 4k 4K OLED 144 display sounds awesome. Sounds like wow, I need that, right? But yeah. But let me quote. Let me quote how they bragged about it because it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It says, when playing the Witcher video game on your next gen game console, you can do it in a frame rate that is six times of that of the show which it's based. Um, Witcher's what? okay. First of all, first of all, Witcher's not based on a show. It's based on a book, and the game came first. <laughs> but they don't know. Is that they the don't long care. Way of saying, is that the long way of saying like 180 hertz refresh rate? Oh, it gets better. Henry Cavill never looks so impressive. So the man, <laughs> so their quote completely got all the facts wrong. But they're so excited about it. it says, or how about this? This is for you, Herman. Quote, imagine how great it will look seeing Popeye Doyle chase down the sniper through the streets of Brooklyn in the French Connection. Nobody brags <laughs> about their TVs like this. <laughs> Only TCL. Only TCL. And it gets so much it's so much fun. So you gotta look at their you gotta look at their stuff. It's all factually incorrect, but the TVs sound pretty nice. Like a f- hundred and forty four hertz OLED at four K sounds pretty nice. So you can <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so silly. Gotta hand it to them. At least they're excited. They're excited. Nobody you know what I mean? They don't do that. We're here introducing the next gen of technology. No, it's it's exciting. Um, and my worst of show, and Herman, you you can cover your ears for this. You know where I'm going with this. Um, and Ben, this affects you and me mostly because we create content. Uh, most shameful is fake coverage from the scaremongers. Oh, yeah. um, I need to point these people out. Um, specifically, I'm only going to name one by name, and I'm not going to give anybody else credit. Uh, the Verge, owned by Vox Media, uh, gets my ignoble word of the show for being for being the fakest and most scammy. Because uh, oh, yeah? we talked about this on Computer America, how they made a big deal. We're not going to go. We're not going to go. And they had like a death knell sentence to CES, like almost like they were causing the show with their negative coverage to be shut down. Like they were having a death watch of companies that kept pulling out, pulling out, pulling out. But they'd never mentioned the companies that signed up. Remember, Herman, you and I talked about this. It felt like traditional media was angry that people were going, so they were being passive-aggressive towards the show and yeah, almost, and almost trying to cause it. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And it's like, oh, oh, we're not going, and you shouldn't either. You're not being safe. COVID's happening. But they still covered it, and they stole content. And I have a link. I'm not going to share it with you, but... Uh, Vox, for example, The Verge, has a best of show where they literally talk about their favorite things at the show they saw, but they didn't go. And other people who went actually had to create this content. And these are the people they castigated as being, you know, unsafe and and all this. But at the end of the day, there are people that went to the show, like Herman and a lot of other websites, that braved it, that did the work, that saw the devices, that had the opinions. And meanwhile, these big huge companies that can afford to, to cancel their plans. Um, they tried their best to shut this show down. They did. They literally tried to shut CES down and they were successful. Um, they shut one day down and during the show, I don't know if you guys saw it, they announced that E3 was being canceled. 
So congratulations. I know, but congratulations. You guys did it. You have power over the tech industry. But whether you agree with that or not, yeah, F you. (laughs) So F you. That's all I I got to say, F you. I greatly dislike E3, but at the same time, that it, that is pretty disingenuous by uh, by these bigger outlets. It really is. Well, it affects. It also affects smaller outlets too. Not necessarily Popstar or Computer America, but it affects companies that have a lot. Because you understand, like to do this stuff, you don't just buy the tickets on a Friday and show up on a Saturday. This is months of planning, and yeah. to pivot like this, you can absorb those costs, and it's sensationalism that I think hurts the industry and it hurts the credibility of the tech industry. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to diminish uh, what you're talking about, but yeah. the reason I feel so apathetic towards all this is because it that just seems to be the way of, uh, of modern media, especially those with the most privileges and whatnot. The, I guess the only difference is they're not, they're not afraid of hiding it anymore. They're, they ha- they're leaving it laid out on the table, all out, all out on the open. Which is uh, pretty disgusting. Well, it's also – it's the idea that – you know, Herman, you know this too and a little uh, insider information. The first couple days of CES and other shows are meant only for the press, like the average yeah. – uh, only for a special press. And so what happens though by doing this sort of gatekeeping, what it does, it squeezes out uh, the websites and the, the media outlets that can't afford to go. Not, not, I don't mean afford to go like we can't afford a plane ticket. It's not free. Even if you live in Vegas, you have to think about accommodation. You have to think about travel. You have to think about planning. You have to do this. And you don't get refunds on any of that if things change. And for them to, to be so disrespectful of, of, of that sort of thing, it affects, it, affects, um, it affects exhibitors who feel pressure to cancel. It affects uh, press that is already scheduled to cancel. I mean, canceling wouldn't be cost prohibitive. And then mm-hmm. to and then to come out at the end of it and take their content is disgusting. It's shameless. That's all I gotta say. They're shameless. But then again, it's Fox. They're pretty shameless anyway. But it's particularly shameless. If it shameless. makes you feel any better, they didn't think about any of that no, when they did it. They so. did. That, well, <laughs> that's what I'm saying though. It's it's just I don't want to talk anymore about them because frankly they don't deserve it. But anyway, that's my yeah. worst of the show was the fake scammers. So you know who you are. You know who you work for. Yay! They don't but, care because they keep getting the privileges, and none of the there, and none of the downsides. There, there's gotta there's gotta be like a a pre, like a pressure point where this all just falls apart on them. I don't know when or where that will be, but it has to happen. Um, I mean, people are people are getting tired of uh of these types of sen- sensationalized uh, takes anyway. It's not When's just it gonna stop. Well, I wouldn't mind it so much if it was weather related or something, but for them to feel like the gatekeepers of content has always always struck me as disingenuous. Uh, it's sort of like a reversal of how the internet opened up content to third parties, like or even small websites. I used to work in traditional media a long time ago. I understand how this power dynamic works. But Ben, like you and I both run smaller tiered services. I mean, not to say Computer America is not awesome and great, but you're not as big as CNN. Any any, any fluctuate? Yeah. Well, at this point, CNN, <laughs> you will be. Um, yeah. We don't have as many sca- <laughs> We don't have the scandals. To but, be fair, I I pay my employees as much as CNN pays their reporters. So you know, well, yay, you, you, you yay, have, eyes on the street. You've never had to fire any reporters for sexual misconduct. But I'll say this: um, at the end of the day, though, 
um, it's a lot more disruptive to people like us who rely on that reliability. And it's one thing to say it's based on facts. It's another thing to say it's not based on facts. And, and for me to sit here and say it's based on health concerns would be disingenuous because we all know it's not. And so, but going back, I'd rather us think about CES uh, as a wonderful playground of robots and technology and OLEDs and all that crazy stuff that we sound like we hate, but we secretly kind of love uh, because I think we all like technology a lot. And we like seeing yeah. we like seeing weird technology, even if it never comes out. I just I just hate the uh, undeserved hype behind a lot of it. I think I'd appreciate things more like all these new facets of tech more if uh, you just tone it down. And I guess this is why I like this year because due to over overextended circumstances, <laughs> a lot of that was toned down. So and it, was it was a lot more tolerable, and I could actually think. Wasn't I wasn't I wasn't stressed. I wasn't uh, panicking. Well, not that hey, I really panicked, but you know what's funny though, Herman? Can I say this, uh, Ben? Yeah. When Herman actually called me, I could actually hear him on the phone. <laughs> That's never happened <laughs> yeah. before. That's never happened. I actually had network. I was like, wow, four data. bars. Yeah, no, well, no, no and, leeches. And, and I gotta say that a number of my interviews that happened on the show floor, um, yeah, a lot of them just like instead of excusing themselves, to, like you know, somewhere kind of more quiet. Uh, you know, you know, like the men's restroom or something like that. They, yeah, they just did it right there on the show floor. And a, a couple of them, I could understand them. It was good. It's crazy. Yeah. I know, it was better. I think overall the show that, was pretty good. And as I said uh, during the Computer America podcast, this CES is a rebuilding year. Not just for, not just for uh, the industry, but for people like me, industry insiders, affiliates, media. Well, good media, honest media. So, I, I, I think it I think it balanced itself balanced itself out quite well. I think so too, and I'm very proud to send you over there, Herman, to represent Popzara. And Ben, you were there in spirit because we gave away a lot of goodies for Computer America too. So, yay! All right, everybody wins. Look, yep, and and really, thank you guys so much. You you've helped me a lot with this. Uh, I've I've personally enjoyed how uh, the digital experience for CES has kind of evolved since uh, mm -hmm. COVID. But I know that it that it does not replace uh, a person standing in front of you, handing a business card, and shaking hands. So, Herman, you especially, thank you for uh, for going out there for us. Uh, it's not a problem. You can thank the magic of QR codes too. So that helps a lot. And <laughs> excuse me. With that, we want to thank everybody for joining us for our special CES twenty twenty two. Is it twenty twenty? That sounds like a sequel to twenty twenty, which sounds terrible. <laughs> Yeah, it's 2022. They're already moving on to CES 2023 right now. I got the I got the press releases for that. They don't waste a minute, do they? Uh, nope. So, again, this has been PopSar's end-of-the-year wrap-up for CES, the Consumer Electronics Show 2022 show. Great, smaller, more intimate, better for most people. Uh, thank our special guest, PopSar's own senior tech editor, Herman Exum. Herman, thank you. And You're welcome. Our good buddy, good friend over in yonder, Mr. Ben Crossman, host of Computer America. Ben, thank you once again for showing up. Thank you for having me. And with that, we're going to wrap up. So everybody stay safe out there. Do what you need to do. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the PopZara podcast. For more exciting content, check out PopZara.com for the latest on games, movies, tech, and more.